Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44 is what we're going to talk about. We're going to, we're going to, uh, the, the sermon title is, Do You Have a Shepherd? Do You Have a Shepherd? Mm. Sheep are dumb. Let's pray. Just kidding. <laughs> That's really all we need to know. Sheep are dumb. If you want to have fun, it's worth a Google. How dumb are sheep? And you'll, you'll see some videos that will just rock your world. Also, this one's free. Google pandas falling. And then you'll see pandas are also dumb. No, they are. <laughs> okay. I was just joking. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for correcting me. I know. They're, they're awesome. Is that her favorite animal? I just, okay. <laughs> yeah? Sweet. What is your favorite animal? Pandas. Oh. Wow. They're so smart. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, for today, Lydia, we are going to learn that we are like sheep. How about that? Amazing. All right. Wow, I love our church. Okay. In Istanbul, you know where, what country is Istanbul in? Tony Sean points. Turkey, right. In Istanbul, Turkey, hundreds of sheep followed their leader, who was also a sheep, off a cliff, plunging to their deaths. Can you believe this? They, um, while their shepherds looked on in dismay, 400 sheep fell 45 feet off a cliff to their deaths on a ramp- over a, ra- a ravine in Van province near Iran. Uh, but those 45 broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who kept on walking off the cliff. Shepherds from the Ikizler village neglected the flock while eating breakfast. And uh, so they left the sheep to roam free, uh, the ridicule daily said. The loss to the local farmers was estimated at $74,000. So sheep are pretty valuable. I didn't really realize. Well, sheep don't really deal with depression. I don't know if... so, So this wasn't like a mass suicide. They weren't like... Woe is me! Let's all die! They're just dumb. They're, they, they are strangely, ridiculously committed to following a leader. No matter where that leader takes them, they are down to go. And if the leader is selfish or lazy, the sheep are going to pay for it. Their lives are going to suffer, obviously. And what stupid sheep need is a shepherd who loves them. Um, and what we're going to see today is we are sheep. We need to be led, but we stupidly follow many bad shepherds, uh, and we need a good shepherd, okay? And Jesus wants to be your good shepherd. Ezekiel, sorry, not you, <laughs> the book of Ezekiel, you're like, man, Taking notes. I caught you taking notes. Well done, child. 
heart proud. Okay, Ezekiel, the book, was written 575 years before Jesus came. But he wrote about what we're dealing with today and what we're going to read about today. So I'm going to, we're going to read Ezekiel chapter 34, quite a few of the verses from there. The first 16 verses and then verses 23 and 24. And we're just going to see what, what God's perspective on shepherds and Israel and what was going on. Um, so it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Did you catch that? You can, you can underline that or highlight it. Should not, should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, and you have not, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back that which was driven away, nor sought that which was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live Says the Lord God, surely my flock became a prey. My flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for the flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed the flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand and I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more for I will deliver my flock from their mouths and they will no longer be food for them. So God is not happy with his shepherds who have been very selfish and leading his sheep basically over a cliff. Okay, God is not happy with them. Did everyone get that? It was that clear as you read that, that God was not happy with them. Okay, good. So what is God's solution? We'll continue reading. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture... And their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord. I will seek what was lost and I will bring back what was driven away. And bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. And I will destroy the fat and, and the strong and feed them in judgment. And then if you fast forward to um, verse 23, he says, I will establish one shepherd over them 
and he shall feed them, my servant David. Who is David in this story? Jesus, right. David was one that had God's heart, and whenever we see David prophesied to come back in the future, it's always talking about Jesus, who is the greater than David. My servant David, he shall be, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, or a leader. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God says very clearly that he wants to be the solution for this problem. He is going to be like a shepherd. And that Jesus, the one who's like David, will make it happen. God says, I want to love my people and care for them. And Jesus is going to make that happen for me. How cool is that? That shows his heart, okay? Now, so that's our introduction. So let's get to our text and we'll see about Jesus feeding the 5,000 sheep or people, we'll say. (laughs) So verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, "Come, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place by boat, by themselves, in a boat by themselves. And, but the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. So they take a four-mile boat ride from where they were to where they're going, where, but, it's, but it's 10 miles to walk. So, um, so there's the distances. They're, they're in a boat, taking it easy with Jesus, but the people are walking 10 miles because they're, they really believe Jesus has something for them, okay? So this, this introduces two groups of people that Jesus is going to be serving today. Um, and, and the compassion and love of Jesus is going to be on full display for these two groups of people. The first group of people is the disciples, and the second group of people is the people. So first, his disciples, okay? Um, they had just gone on their first ministry job. If you remember the first part of the chapter, God, Jesus had just said, okay, guys, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to help you and teach you. And I want you to go out through all these cities. And I want you to heal people. And I want you to teach them. And I want you to, to um, be, uh, minister to them. What is he doing? He's training his disciples, how to be shepherds, like their master, okay? He sent them out to heal, to preach, to cast out demons, and he empowered them to do all this stuff. Were the disciples smart enough to cast out demons? No, these guys are dumb. They're just like the sheep, honestly. So they didn't have this supernatural, this crazy ability uh, naturally to heal people or to cast out demons. That was a gift that Jesus was giving them because he loved the people. Because he loved the people and he wanted to deliver them. So, so now these disciples come back and they're all excited to talk with Jesus about all they had done. And, and this part is really cool. Um, it's good to talk with God about what happens in your life after it happens. And here's my problem. I'm like, well, God already knows. He saw it all. So why do I need to talk with him? Anyone else think like me or am I just weird? Okay. You, you think like that too? Okay, good. Um, well, it's good to talk with him about what he has done in your life or how he's used you 
because it reminds me that it wasn't me and it wasn't my power that did any of it. And so what coming back to the Lord and kind of rehashing your day with him, or maybe you serve the Lord and you go share the gospel with somebody or you, you, you help them out or whatever, come back and talk to the Lord about it and pray and it will keep you humble because it reminds you it wasn't about you. And it reminds me that he knows everything and that he knew everything that I was going to go through and that it was him that provided everything that I needed. And he always will. He's always faithful to do that. So next time, maybe I won't worry as much or doubt as much. And so, again, going and talking to him will also develop my faith. It will help me to grow in my faith next time. But Jesus, he knows that they need uh, more than just a debrief and more than just to talk to him. They need actual rest. And so Jesus arranges for them to go to another location on a boat. Rest is vital for humans. Uh, Jesus knows this, and he actually created us, created us with that need or that weakness. Why would God put a built-in weakness in your life? Hmm? Yeah. Dependency. So that you learn you are not all that and a bag of chips. You have built-in weaknesses that you cannot do it all. And the more you try to do it all, the more angry, bitter, and, and just a sour person to be around. You get tired. You get burnt out. And God says, I didn't design you for that. I designed you in weakness to, to have to rest. And what do we do when we rest? Well, he is going to blow their minds with his faithfulness while they're resting from official ministry. You remember the, the, when they were living in the desert and God provided manna, like a magical bread from heaven, every morning? And, and he said, don't go out on Saturdays to pick the manna. You're just, you just get to rest that day. On Friday, I'll provide twice as much so that it'll get you through Saturday because on Saturday, I just want you to commune with me. I just want you to spend time with me. I don't want you to worry about work at all. I will provide. But what did the people do? They went out on Saturday and tried to get more because they're like, we can do it. We, let's buy our efforts. Let's, let's get further. Let's get ahead. And they were neglecting what they should have been doing, which was spending time with Jesus so that they could get ahead. And what happened is God filled their manna with worms and maggots poisoned it so that they couldn't enjoy it. And that's exactly what happens when we take everything upon ourselves and say, it's up to me to provide for my family, to, to work super hard. And we do it to the extent that we neglect a relationship with Jesus. We say, I don't have time for Jesus. I got to do my stuff. And God says, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I, I got to stop this. I'm going to have to poison your work. I'm going to have to poison your money. I'm going to have to poison what you thought you were going to gain from neglecting me is going to actually corrupt more. It's going to make it disgusting. It's going to be sad. So take time with Jesus. He wants to blow their minds while they're resting. 
He knows that they're tired and hungry, and being tired and hungry is actually the perfect environment to learn their most important lesson so far. The disciples are going to learn that they can and must fully depend on the love Jesus has for them. Let me repeat that. The disciples are going to learn that they can and must fully depend on the love Jesus has for them. They need to know it. They need to believe it. They need to taste it. They need to soak in it. His sacrificial, powerful, miraculous, provisional love. They need to know that it is all that they need. Well, the second group, so that's the first group, the disciples. The second group that Jesus is going to deal with today is the people. And so in our text, it says next that they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and he was super angry. And he he said, what are these stupid people doing here? That's, That's not what it said, right? Is that what it says up there? No. It says he was moved with compassion. And that is one of the strongest verbs in the Greek language, the moved with compassion. It means he was moved to tears looking at them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. How many of you have have longed for something like your whole life and then you finally get it and you just start crying because you're so happy? What was that? Matthew going to rehab. rehab. Okay, great. Anyone else? Anything? Yes. You can't say it. Forgiveness. Okay, just longed for it and then now you know that you have it. Okay. How long has Jesus had his people in his heart. Well, we just read in Ezekiel, 575 years, he has been passionately upset at how they've been treated. That his heart for them is exploding for love. So imagine Jesus seeing these people there's 5,000 There's five thousand men, so there's probably 20,000 people on this countryside. He steps out of the boat. He knows every single one, and his heart is just overwhelmed with love. And he says, I have seen everything you've gone through, and I have loved you since before you were born. I know your ancestors and what they've gone through, and I am here to end your misery. I am here to stop all of what's come against you. I'm here to end it. I mean, Jesus is awesome. He's wonderful. If you're a cosmetologist, maybe the first thing you notice when you look at someone is their hairstyle, right? Or their beard style. (laughs) If you're into working out, maybe the first thing you realize when you, when you size somebody up is whether they're in shape or not. If you're into, you know, name brands, maybe you notice if they're wearing Nikes or Toms. But Jesus, he is a people person, and as he sees this crowd, he notices that they are like sheep without a shepherd. He knows what they're at, at a spiritual level what's going on with them. Jesus was aware. 
He paid attention. He intimately knew who they were and what they were struggling with. And it's funny because the devil tries to tell me all the time that Jesus isn't aware or Jesus doesn't really care. Does he ever do that with you? Jesus does know what you're going through. He knows what's wrong. He knows how it hurts you. He knows it all. He's very aware. That's the first thing we learned from this. What they're struggling with was deep in his heart. These people were confused okay, about which path to travel in life. They were seeking direction from him. They're like, Jesus, we think, we got a hunch, you are our leader. Because they were confused about which path to take. They were vulnerable and afraid. They needed someone to guard and protect them, so they came to Jesus. They were desperate and hungry, and they needed someone to provide for them. And so they come to Jesus. And there was something about Jesus that they were drawn to as dumb sheep. They saw him as a great leader and they followed his voice. And it's weird because Jesus was also drawn to their needs and to their weakness because of his love. He was a true shepherd, not a hireling. Have you guys ever heard the word hireling before? What's the difference between a shepherd, a true shepherd, and a hireling? Well, a true shepherd loves his sheep while a hireling only loves himself. And that's what he described with those, you know, those, those shepherds that had been in charge of leading Israel these thousands of years before. If we looked at all the places in Scripture where it described Jesus as a shepherd, we would see a lot of really interesting things. You guys remember Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, right? We'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later today. In Luke chapter 15, he's called the rejoicing shepherd who goes after the one lost sheep. In John 10, he's called the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. In 1 Peter 5, he's called the chief shepherd who honors his servants. In Hebrews 13, he's called the great shepherd. And in Revelation 7, he's called the shepherd lamb who guides us to springs of living water. A true shepherd loves his sheep. He will always provide for his sheep. He will always lead his sheep. He will always protect his sheep. That's what a real true shepherd does. We, on the other hand, are weak, foolish, helpless sheep. We are stupid sheep who cannot take care of ourselves and we cannot save ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany and he understood the desperate situation of human sheep without a shepherd and he described it like this. He said, there were questions but no answers. Distress, but no relief. Anguish of conscience, but no deliverance. And tears, but no consolation. And sin, and no forgiveness. There are times when we are in that place where that describes us. And what we need in that moment is a shepherd. We desperately need a shepherd who is compassionate 
and able to provide for us everything that we need. Um, In the wilderness, when Israel had just left Egypt and they were waiting to go into their promised land, Moses pleaded with the Lord that the Lord would raise up a leader and a shepherd for his people of Israel. Because Moses said in Numbers chapter 27 that his people were like a sheep with no shepherd. And Moses was saying, I can't even shepherd these people. We need you to raise up a new shepherd who would be Jesus, right? So get ready to see the love of Jesus. It says, so he began to teach them many things. What does that mean? Jesus comes to this hill where there's 20,000 people and he spends the whole day giving them what they need. He never gets tired of you or your problems, your needs, or your failures. How many of these 20,000 people were just idiots? I'm sure most of them. But Jesus loved them anyway. He gave them everything that they needed. He met them where they were at. He never gets tired of you, your problems, or your needs. Ah, but God never really talks to me. God never really helps me out. Some people say that. And our response to that is, don't ever say God is silent when your Bible isn't open in front of you. If your Bible is on your shelf, or on your bedstand, or not sitting open in front of your face, don't you dare say that God is silent. Because God is speaking to you. He has a full testimony to you. And he says it's right here for you to find out. Right there. So the people have access to God and his help. It's through the word of God. What is Jesus' name? The word of God. That's what he's called. So it all makes sense on so many levels. His disciples, though, they think that he's forgetting something. They think he's gotten too busy caring for the spiritual and emotional needs that he's forgotten or, and he's unable to provide uh, for their physical needs as well. They say this, when, when the day is now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. So the disciples are unaware of the plans Jesus has, okay? Um, They are very aware though of the situation as far as they see it, the, the needs of the people. And they're also really aware of their own inability to meet those needs. Man, these people are a mess. They have real big problems, and I can't meet all of their problems. But Jesus knows about this. And Jesus has a plan that involves having a wonderful meal and spending time with these people that he loves. He's working on a different level than the disciples. The disciples are about what's practical, and Jesus is about what he loves. What does he love? These people and the relationship he has with these people. He loves them, and he wants to have a meal with them. Something about that is so appealing to Jesus. Sitting down and eating with us, we call that communion. He loves having communion with us. 
where he shares his heart, we share our heart, and we share a meal. And in that day, when you shared a meal with someone, it meant you were becoming one in heart with them. So that's why you didn't eat with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. You only ate with people who you loved and respected. And Jesus is saying, he's going to say, I love every one of you. And I want to have a meal with you. And we have, we have communion. We're going to have communion today. It's going to rock your face off. Because Jesus is going to tell you today, I love you. And I want to have communion with you. I want you to share the deep things in your heart. And I will, will pour into you the deep things of my heart. In fact, that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's taking the word of God. He's pouring it into your hearts, his word and his promises right now. This is, this is a kind of communion that the world just doesn't know. And we're really lucky to be able to hear his word today. Amen? Yeah. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. <laughs> and they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? So Jesus gives his disciples an impossible task to do in their own strength. Why would he do such a crazy thing? And this is highlighted by their response. We don't have, Jesus, the resources to do what you're telling us to do. We've already added up how much it would cost, and it's like eight months or a year's worth of wages for someone. And you want us to waste that much money on one little stupid meal with these sheep? Hmm. Jesus does, right? Yeah, he does value the sheep that much. But Jesus commanded it, all right? And if Jesus commands, tells you to do something, he's also absolutely going to provide the resources to do it. Like he says, love your wife. Hmm. And we're like, I don't have the resources to do that. And he says, so come to me and I'll help you love your wife. Or lead your family. Man, so hard. Or submit to your boss. Or whatever God's things, uh, God's commands are for you. We really need to face up to our own inadequacy and our own weakness. The disciples, they, they're seeing that they're weak and incapable. And so God is developing in them. He's helping them to see humility. You can't do this. What I'm asking you to do, you can't do. Well, the, the story helps us uh, a little bit more right here. He says, but he said, go to them. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they went and, and found out, and they said, five and two fish. So Jesus, he goes to them, and he says, he makes them assess what they really have. And they have less than anyone even thought that they have, really. Like, they, they're, they're pretty shocked to learn that they only have, what's it, five loaves and two fish. And the loaves, these are not big, like, Subway loaves. These are little cakes and the two fish are not big, nice, honking fish. They're, they're sardines. They're little, tiny, little ones. And we learn that from John that uh, this came from a young boy, that his mother had just packed him a little lunch for him. Oh, 
oh, I'm going to go spend time with Jesus. Oh, son, take this little bag of five little cakes and two little fish. And, and that's where this came from, right? And this little boy had willingly offered it to share with everybody. And that's crazy. We'll, we'll get there. But his disciples, what do they see? They see an impossibly large crowd and an unbelievably small amount of food. But Jesus is going to feed 5,000 people a, a meal with this little bit, and he's going to teach his disciples a lesson. What lesson? To serve God and be a partner with Jesus, you can never do it through human abilities. Human weakness and, any, and a lack of resources is only an opportunity to glorify God and see the power of God. That's what the disciples must learn today. Um, where are you weak? Where are you lacking resources? My bank account. Not just that, but where, what is there that you can't do? What is the impossible things we don't do because we consider them impossible? Well, in the hands of Jesus, the small, insufficient afterthought of this little boy's resources becomes the most satisfying, miraculous blessing of a meal that any of these people have ever eaten. So then it says, He commanded them to, ma to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. Does that, does that remind you of something Ezekiel said? That he will make his people lie down in good pastures? And he makes them lie down in ordered, orderly and in groups just like a good shepherd would, right? He's just, man, that the image of him as a good shepherd is just coming out in all this color. And, and then he said, he, so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And we had, when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. So, Here's the lesson for the people, for the people. Jesus loves us and he provides for us. Jesus is generous and miraculous and powerful. Jesus isn't asking anything of us. He serves us first. So what do I want to do? I want to follow him. I do want to serve him. I do want to turn my back on what I've been living my life for and sin, and I want to instead follow his teachings. Be why? Because he loves me first. He loves me first. Here's the lesson for the 12 disciples. We are distributors, not manufacturers. We serve the people what Jesus gives us, and that's it. We don't have to figure out their problems. We don't have to figure out solutions. We go to Jesus, take what he gives us, and we hand it straight to them. We simply receive from him and hand it out to the people. And that is the heart of ministry. If any of you have a dream or a calling in your life to be involved in ministry, that's it. People don't need you. You're also a dumb sheep. 
They don't need you to lead them off a cliff. The best you can be is fluff at the bottom so they won't dive. He says what the people need is what I can give them. And it has to directly come from the Lord. So when someone's in a crisis and someone's having a rough time, if someone, you, God puts you in their life, give them not what you think, give them what Jesus gives you. Well, what does that mean? That means you have to actually take some time and go connect with Jesus and go to him with the word. And you have to say, what, what am I going to tell this person? Jesus will actually give you something. You'll read through. It won't take long because Jesus knows that they need something. Jesus will deliver to you something as you're reading, will move your heart. And you can go give that to the person that, you're, that God has placed you in their life. That's the design of what ministry is. Here's the deeper lesson for everybody. We view our situation, when we view our situation from a human standpoint, depending on our abilities and our resources, we will never see the Lord's power and ability. That has to come by faith. The well of grace is a provision so deep and vast that it will never exhaust its abundance. Like the disciples, each time we return, needing more, Jesus continues to provide. So the disciples would go and feed this group, and then would come back to Jesus for more, and he would give them more. And they would go to the next group that needed something, and so forth and so on. They learned through that one moment, through this one day, Jesus has all that we will ever need. And, and through this repetition of continually going back to him, they learned that grace is an inexhaustible resource. So they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. So just to let this lesson sink in to his 12 under-shepherds, he gives them a doggy bag with more than they could possibly eat. Who could eat an entire basket of fish? Well, at Sushi Totoro, they, it's all you can eat, but they don't let you take a doggy bag. <laughs> anyway, you ever been to Sushi Totoro? I, I took Jesus there last week. It was awesome. So much. Uh, anyway. All right. So, Spurgeon quote. Spurgeon quote. Spurgeon sounds like sturgeon, which is also a fish. He didn't say that. I'm just saying that. <laughs> Because that's where my mind went. Anyway, Spurgeon said, when he was teaching on this, this text, he said, come then, weary, hungry sinner. Come. You have nothing to do but... Yeah. But... It's the greatest compliment I've ever had in my whole life. Thank you, Carolyn. <laughs> Did you see that my wife gave me a Spurgeon bobblehead for Christmas? It was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Spurgeon said, Come, weary, hungry sinner. You have nothing to do but take 
Christ. That's the most best news in the world. If you're a weary, hungry sinner, all you have to do is take Christ. How? By faith. In your heart. Believe that he is this guy who we're reading about. Believe that he loves you. And that he will provide what you need. Spurgeon continued to say, Open your mouth and receive the food. My illustration. Faith to receive what Christ provides is all that is needed. Faith to receive all that Christ provides is all that is needed. So we're going we're gonna to right now stop everything we're doing and we're going to have communion. I'm going to have Jarrett come up and the worship team, you guys can come up. Because this looks like crackers and grape juice, doesn't it? But it's not just crackers and grape juice. But the only way you're going to receive or be able to know what this really is, is by faith. Believing that Jesus has so much to give you. What's, what's the first thing he has to give you? Forgiveness. All sin can be washed away. You just run straight to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have sinned. Forgive me. And his response is always, yes. And it is done. Not, here's the list of things you need to do to make up for it. Because if there was a list of things to do for me to make up for my sin, it would go all the way to the other side of the world and I I would never be able to even come close to making up for what I've done in sin. So Jesus says, I'll just forgive you. I will wipe away your sin. But Jesus promises more that is available to you today. He says, I will come into your heart and I will give you my spirit and I will live with you. I desire to make my home in you. And that is also what is promised and available today. How do I get that? Open your mouth and receive it. It doesn't mean it magically goes into your mouth. It means it's already freely given and it takes faith to receive it. Okay, I'm going to just believe that Jesus loves me, that he's going to provide forgiveness for me, that he's going to provide new life for me and give me everything... Well, I'm still a jerk. I'm still a sinner. How am I going to change? That's a great question too. And guess what? Jesus says you have to do that all on your own. You guys are good. He doesn't say that, does he? I tried to trick you. He says, I'll do that for you as well. All I'm asking for you to do is eat meals with me. Commune with me. Abide with me. Stay with me. What happens when sheep go off by themselves? Nothing good. Nothing good. Why? Because we're sheep and we just, we will, oh, squirrel. And we follow and we go and we've off a cliff and it's just not good. <clears throat> so, so we have a, a time right now that's set aside for us to 
commune with Jesus. Do not think this is just crackers and juice. This is a time where you say, Jesus, here's my heart. Here's what I've been going through. Here's what I've failed with. And Jesus, I want what you're given. I want it. So change this cracker into my food, my spiritual food. What my body... Let your sacrifice be everything that I need. And change this juice into my life. Let you be my life. That's what we need. 